Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, let your will be done through us. Amen. Amen. Once upon a time, a family of lions was living in the jungle when a devastating fire broke out. As severe as it was unpredictable, all the animals fled their jungle homes. Trying to keep up with his family, the youngest and smallest lion cub tripped and tumbled down a hill and fell into a cave where he was knocked unconscious. Sometime later, staggering forth out of that cave, that little lion cub raised up his head and looked around and found himself all alone in a burned out and devastated landscape with his family nowhere in sight. After looking for days, he was finally forced to give up. Why so down, asked one of the vultures, the only other animal the lion cub was able to locate. I've lost my family and I can't find them anywhere. And I don't know what to do, said the cub to the vultures. Well, don't worry, said the vultures. Join us. You can be a vulture. So the little lion cub took the vultures out on their kind offer. And over time, he learned to live like vultures do, how to sneak and hide and steal. As contrary as this was to his nature, he picked up their habits, their beliefs, their identity. Then one day after the jungle had grown back and the animals had all returned, word circulated that a big procession was coming round. The king of the jungle and his extensive entourage were coming their way. Line up, said the vultures. The king is coming. So the vultures and the lion club, cub, who had by now grown to be pretty large, joined all the other animals of the jungle, awaiting the procession to see the king. And what a procession it was with drummers and banner bearers, and last of all, the royal family of lions. Finally, the procession reached the vultures and all of a sudden, the biggest lion of them all stopped the procession with an ear piercing roar. The king of the jungle then looked over at the vultures and the lion sitting among them and the king motioned for the lion to stand and for the entire jungle to be silent as he said this to the lion. You imposter, why are you sitting with the vultures? You are not a vulture, you do not sneak and hide and steal. Come, rejoin us and we will tell you who you really are. So the lion cub turned vulture turned again and followed the king, over time regaining his true identity and living, as they say, happily ever after. Could this be what Jesus was doing 
when he too looked out at the crowd, silenced them, and declared to those who had lost their identities, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Come, let your light so shine that the world may see who you are and whose you are. Well, friends, welcome to the life-changing magic of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember last week when we read that more famous portion of this iconic teaching in which Jesus said to the poor, the meek, and the mourning, and the persecuted, that you all are beloved. You are not abandoned or forgotten or insignificant, no matter who you are and where you are. Beloved are the meek, you remember from last week. Beloved are the mourners. Beloved are the poor. Well, that was last week, and Jesus continues this week with salt and light. Today, Jesus is calling out his hearers as imposters, as people who have been living by the wrong script, the world's script, written by the rich, the beautiful, the polished, the powerful, the popular, and the famous. It's a script that turns everyone into insecure, fearful, apathetic, lonely, and hopeless people. And Jesus says, that's not you. You are much more than that. Let me help you rediscover your true identity. Jesus is telling us in no uncertain terms that that which is deepest within us is light, it heats, it illuminates, is salt that seasons and preserves. That this is who you are and this is who I am. God's beloved, God's chosen, God's people. I wonder how this compares with what you've been telling yourself all week. You know, using that otherworldly script, as we have been impersonating a lost, lonely, scared, and broken world. Anybody here call themselves this week dumb, or fat, or ugly, or cursed, or unfortunate, or worthless, or lazy, or hopelessly insignificant, or a derivation thereof? <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> The point is, friends, that our identities are what Jesus is getting at. Our identities are broken, but they can be repaired. Two people are standing outside an office building. A third person comes along and says, hey, you want a cigarette? First person says, oh, man, I, I, I don't, man, I'm trying to quit. Second one says, no, thanks, I'm not a smoker. The first man identifies as a smoker who's struggling to reform. The second man identifies as a non-smoker. And as far as smoking cessation programs go, the second man is much more likely to succeed. Jesus is out to show us the power of identity. Who do we see ourselves as? Who does God see ourselves as? You wanna change something you're doing? Change your identity. This power is ignited as we more fully believe what Jesus and what the Bible and what the sacraments and what the Christian tradition says about you and says about me, that we are God's people. We're created by God, we're happiest when we live in God, and we're destined for a blissful eternity with God. God is love, and so this is who we are, lovers, created to love, created to fall in love, created to trust love. Because God is in us, giving us the power to do godly things, to heal, to restore, to be generous, to be repairers of the breach, to be kind, to be reconciling, to be benevolent, to be the beautiful people of God's world. 
those original hearers on that mountain in Galilee, they would come up with a word for this message. You know what they called it? They called it gospel. They called it good news. And who's surprised? They dropped everything to listen. And this is why these teachings have endured for 2,000 years, folks, as the most memorable words in the best-selling book in the history of the world. It's because these words resonate with souls of all ages as truth. We are better than we think. We are doing more than we know. We are more important than we suspect. We identify as vultures, but we're really kings. So why don't we act like that? Why do we stay like this? How can we change? Well, when I was in college, I used to hang around uh, the library with a guy named Luke. Now, don't get me wrong, I didn't hang around the library, but I did hang around the library with a guy named Luke. As a test approached, I loaded my backpack full of books and I headed to the library. And I'd sit in the same table with him because it was in a remote part of the library where not that many people gathered. And one thing I noticed was that every time I went to the library, Luke was there at that remote table studying something. So one day I asked him, hey, Luke, do you have an English test tomorrow? No. Math? No. History paper, do you? Nope. Then what assignments do you have coming up this next week? I said none. And it became clear to me that my studying was based on goals, that I had a test, I had a paper. When the paper was over or the test taken, I didn't have to learn anymore. I had to go to the library. <laughs> Whereas Luke didn't base his study on goals, but on identity. He was a self-avowed learner. Whether or not he had a test, he was going to the library. Whether or not he had a paper due, he was going to the library. He was going to the library for a certain amount of time each day because that's who he was, his identity, a learner. And later I discovered to the surprise of no one that he was also an A student. Compare that to me. Sure, I like to learn. <laughs> when there was a test, but I had not yet connected that to my soul. So that learning was a role I was playing, not an identity I was claiming. But slowly I learned. The goal is not to read a book, but to become a reader. The goal is not to play the piano, but to be a musician. The goal is not to know the Bible, but to be a Christian. Tend to the identity and the goals will take care of themselves. So here we sit, many of us, in places like those who sat at the feet of Jesus and heard the Sermon on the Mount. Our true identities, in some ways, have been smothered, diluted, deprioritized, perhaps even lost. And I think Jesus meets you and I here today because he's trying to help us regain our true identity, the salt of life. He wants, he wants to help us be more of who we are. And so we say, yeah, Jesus, I see that, but, but what's my role? People who study these things say that the wrong thing to do is something dramatic and that significant, real, lasting change comes in very small increments over a very long period of time. You want to change? Don't try to dramatically do it all at once. But real, significant, lasting change comes in very small increments over long periods of time. My friend Karen is an avid marathoner, but it's what's interesting about Karen, I've known her many, many years, she was never a runner in college, she was never a runner in high school. In fact, she never considered herself to be very athletic at all. But one day she decided to change that. The first week, she went out for a walk every day. 
The next week she took longer walks. Slowly she began to pick up the pace and one day she added a little bit of running to it. Her habits made her a runner and now a marathoner. Of course, picking up your violin for five minutes does not make you a violinist, does it? However, every small action toward the violin you take is a vote toward your identity. Every small stride you make brings you closer to being a runner. Every salad makes you a healthy person. Every prayer makes you a Christian. This is really important to talk about in the shadow of what by now are a lot of broken New Year's Eve resolutions. <laughs> because the message is not to get down on yourself because you goofed, but to get back on the horse and keep it going. Big change comes over time and after small incremental changes that eventually add up. What horse do you need to get back on today, folks? What habit needs picking up again? What must we do to realize that our identities can change? Have you ever paid attention to how Jesus talked about heaven? It's different than how popular Christendom has evolved into talking about heaven. Christendom says heaven has streets of gold. Heaven has pearly gates. Heaven has a judgment seat. Heaven is a place. Heaven is a goal. But Jesus didn't say this. He said the kingdom of God is inside you. He said the kingdom of God has arrived. In John chapter 17, verse three, he said, we have heaven, we have eternal life right now. We might say that heaven is not a goal, it's an identity. And this folks is the title and the key point of this sermon. Heaven is not a goal, it's an identity. It's not some place you're going, it's some place you already have inside of you. You and I have been sold a bill of goods that has us impersonating celebrities, millionaires, athletes, and movie stars when heaven is found in a completely different place. We find heaven by more completely connecting to that peasant from Galilee who calls us who we are, reclaiming our identity as lovers who accept love and give love, slowly over time, step by step, realizing that every verse of scripture we read Every prayer we say, every good deed we do for others is a vote toward being more like that master from Galilee, the embodied kingdom, the salt and light God calls us and God calls us to be. And of course, the good news, the reason this is gospel is because this is all something we can do. It's something we have. We can ditch the bad script and pick up the new one, the real one, the one that's at the center of our hearts. The good news is that things can change. We can change. Whatever you're battling this morning, whatever bad habit you want to drop, whatever good habit you want to start, Jesus says, I'm at the bottom of that. Appeal to me. Make your identity more like me. God has us. We have God. And with God, nothing is impossible. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.